Kia This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kia Wellington. This is B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Our show is all about stories of the people who make Wellington tick. I'm one of your hosts today. My name's Laura, and I'm, I've got a very special co-host today. It's Ruth. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, Ruth, this is actually Ruth's first time hosting B-Side Stories. It is. It's great to be here. How's, how are you feeling? I'm excited. <laughs> I have two fabulous guests coming up soon, so I, this is going to rock. Yes, yes. I am super excited for our guests in the first half. Why don't you uh, kick straight into it? Great. So today's story involves a birthday and a matchmaking service with a difference. This time, five years ago, a midlife stock take and a desire to use her communication expertise and experience to make a positive difference led to the germ of an idea for Gail Marshall. She teamed up with fellow communications specialist Sue McCabe with the idea of creating an organisation that enables communications practitioners to give back to the community using their professional skills. They reached out to their network and virtually overnight they mobilised a volunteer army of more than 60 communications professionals. Community Comms Collective was born. It is my pleasure to welcome Gail and Sue to the studio to Be Side Side Stories. Happy birthday, ladies. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Sure. So tell us who and what is Community Comms Collective. Thanks, Ruth. Um, so as you said, we're a bunch of communications professionals who volunteer to help out community groups. Um, we've now got about 280 experienced communications practitioners on our books. Um, most of these people are in Wellington, but we also operate in Auckland. And um, through these volunteers, we offer a wide range of skills to charities like communication strategy, planning, writing, editing, news media, social media, internal comms, web usability, I could go on and on. Um, and the vision of the comms collective is connected communities for a stronger New Zealand. And we think that giving charities a free boost of expertise to help their communications really contributes to that. Right, so so these communications professionals are providing their services free of charge. Absolutely, all our services are free. Awesome, so tell us about the kinds of organisations and groups that you support and what are the challenges that they face that you are helping with? So as our name probably suggests, it's community organisations we're offering our support to. Some of them will be charities, some of them will be tiny little community groups, and that's, that's the thing, there's real diversity in the organisations we're helping. Some will be very small, some will be 100% volunteer run, um, but probably commonly they all share a real challenge in terms of resourcing. Uh, many of them won't have any um, expertise in the, in the sort of communications area um, and, and sort of little budget for anything like that. I would just like to add that yesterday... Gail helped me to do the post <laughs> on social media for this upcoming show tonight. So they are very helpful. Now, you've developed some key services to meet those needs. What are some of those services? Yeah, well, we probably offer about, um, I think it's four main services. The main one being matchmaking, which um, we like to call ourselves matchmakers. Um, and all of our services, as Sue said, are, are free because we're 100% volunteer run. So the matchmaking service is really just when we've got community organisations coming to us for help with a, um, 
with communications and we'll match them with one of our volunteers with the right skills and interests. Um, we also, within that, have a web usability service, which uh, is about looking at the user friendliness of a website and, and giving um, advice to charities about their websites. We run workshops, um, largely in partnership with Volunteer Wellington in Wellington. Oh, funnily that. Uh, and um, that, that'll be on communication topics that these groups have told us they're interested in, and we use our volunteers to run those. And lastly, we have a lot of resources on our website that are free for use, and um, there are a range of created and curated content, so um, a lot of useful links, but also we've got some stuff that we've developed, like a media contact list, which is very popular, um, media, a comms plan template and things like that. That's great. So this obviously is working well in Wellington. Why do you think it works so well here? Um, maybe I'm biased, but Wellington rocks, really, and I think... Um, most people here seem to be largely community-minded in one way or another, and I think that's pretty key to it, is how cool Wellington people are. Um, Wellington is also really networked in the comms profession, so it's small enough that people are quite connected. Um, because of its compact nature, people find it really easy to meet up, and you know our volunteers and our community groups find it um, easy to connect, and we do encourage face-to-face -face, uh, meetings where possible. Um, but, you know, in saying that, we've got this web usability um, team that's run by Louise Lum, as, as Gail said, and that's a remote service and that's free to charities anywhere in New Zealand. So we also know that um, while Wellington's awesome, the whole of New Zealand's pretty awesome and remote volunteering's pretty, um, pretty neat as well. You've mentioned this community connection thing a couple of times. How valuable do you think that is? I think the community connection increases the friendliness of it all, the warmth of volunteering. Um, there's a range of reasons why people volunteer and, and there's a whole lot of benefits they get out of it. But I do think that one reward is building a new relationship. And we've had some enduring friendships develop as a result of our matches. And personally, I know that as a result of my work with a comms collective, I bump into volunteers and I bump into charities all over the place. And in fact, in about two weeks' time, I'm going to a parliamentary function uh, for a charity that I first engage with um, through the Comms Collective. So it's, that's just really neat. I bet you meet some wonderful people through that. Mm, absolutely. So if I were a community organisation, how would I access Community Comms Collective and what would I expect to experience in that matchmaking process? Well, apart from bumping into Sue on the street, <laughs> um, the website's uh, first port of call, really, um, and I should probably give the address. As, mm -hmm. um, what is your website? And we'll come back to it yeah, later in the communitycoms.org.nz. Well. Uh, so, yeah, the website, for a start, gives some really good basic information about how we operate and how we work and this kind of support we can give so people can have a refresh there and check that um, what we're doing is what they need. But then um, there's a contact form on there, and it won't take long to fill that in with just some basic information including a high level what we need but that will come into our inbox and then we've got a team of matchmakers someone will be on the inbox and they'll get that an email and they'll give you a call and then from there they'll have a bit of a chat with you about what your organisation needs and how we might be able to help um, and the next step is to write up a brief um, which will be done on the basis of that conversation it will get run past the community organisation so they can go back and check with other people in the organisation like board members or um, star other staff or volunteers 
And then when that's agreed, we'll use that as the basis to, to go out and find a volunteer. So that's it's a really useful um, document, that brief, because it sets the expectations for both the charity and for the uh, volunteer. And then when we've matched with a volunteer, that kind of gets handed over and it's all the relationship's all about the volunteer and the community organisation. That sounds So it sounds like it's a really straightforward process for yep. the people wanting to access your services. And the other thing is, is to remember that, you know, you can come in and not be entirely sure what you need, but know that mm. you need help. And we can help with a bit of a good chat. Our matchmakers love that experience of that, having the chat on the phone. And quite often you'll find what you think you need is actually a bit different from what we'd recommend or what support we think is best. Um, and that's a really valuable process. How do you track and measure the success of your matchmaking? Um, so when we connect the volunteers in the community groups, we, we do encourage them, strongly encourage them, to get in touch with us at any time to come back to us and ask um, for help. Um, so that's an aspect of our service. But proactively, maybe a couple of months after we've matched them and they've gone away, we do check in and um, you know ask how it's going. And we record all that data. Um, we, you know, we publish case studies, we learn from the feedback that people tell us, and we're a registered charity, so we do publish our statistics annually. So can you give us some examples of the difference that you've made for some organisations? There's, there's, there are so many lovely stories mm. that we hear, um, and it's interesting because sometimes it's almost the intangible benefits of uh, the support that someone coming in saying... I really like what you do, it's important, and I want to help you. That gives a boost in itself. Mm. Um, one example that I love is uh, we're a charity, they had their most successful fundraising campaign ever. They raised more money than ever before, and they attributed that to um, having a volunteer that mentored their staff member that was organising the campaign, and they got more publicity and more publicity and higher awareness that they'd be out there shaking a bucket translated into more dollars, so that's a really cool one. And then also there's the stories from the volunteer perspective. You know, the volunteer who said that after a period of maternity leave, um, she'd lost her confidence and, and wondered whether her skills were still relevant. And after she did a couple of volunteering gigs, she realised that she was still amazing. <laughs> and then that gave her more confidence in a job interview and, and she got a job. And she said that the volunteering was really important. And, you know, there's people that um, they sometimes they're in a difficult work situation and it can knock their confidence. And then they go and volunteer and that builds them back up again. A lot of the feedback we get from volunteers is they just love being thanked so readily, which happens. And, and it's, you know, one little thing for me as well is, the, is just the collective impact. You know, you've got 350 matches that we've made since we started, roughly. Um, and, you know, none of them are... We're giving a boost. We're not going in and doing hours and hours and hours of work. Um, but all those little pieces of work are making a really big impact overall across a real range of of community activities. It takes a lot of courage and creativity to start something like this. Tell us a bit more about how Community Comms Collective was born. What what did it involve to get it established? I liked your storytelling at the start, Ruth. You, you, you told it better than I do, actually. Um, but as you said, it was a it was a kind of a germ of an idea, a, a bit of a midlife navel gaze for me. Um, I was actually painting the house at the time when the germ was completely developed, and I um, had a lot of time on my hands while I strip made the paint strokes, and you know was busy thinking about what I was doing work wise and and 
how much I was doing within the community, which didn't feel like much at the time. Um, my youngest child had just started school. I was kind of thinking back to the, when I was younger and my mum had been volunteering for Women's Refuge and the school board and all these kind of things while she was working. And my neighbour, Sue, had just... Um, made some career changes so that she could do more for the community and I was feeling like I wasn't doing much at all and then I was thinking but I don't have enough time and who am I going to give my time to if I do have time and all that kind of thing and you know it came to the crunch that I thought well actually I'm probably not alone in, in this and as I said before what difference could a whole lot of individuals with a little bit of time to give make um so by the end of the by the end of the paint job I'd kind of come up with this this basis of an idea and I thought if I'm going to make this happen I'm going to call Sue which I did and she thought it was a great idea and um, and so the rest is history to and, be honest get so involved in anything and you can make it happen and now you're having a fifth birthday yeah yeah what were some of the challenges or barriers that you faced in getting community comms collective flying not many to be honest I mean probably the, the biggest challenge in some ways is, is always been time because I love it Sue loves it but it's it is the voluntary side of our work and there's so much else on in life but you know from the start we've evolved it to fit in with what else we're doing um and in starting something like this as a pair has helped so you know we now that when we've both got things going on in our lives we've compensated for each other and done more and stepped in and things and then over time as we've grown we've brought in other people to help um manage the collective and, and run the collective um so you know we it's it's really simple, and it as I say, it's evolved as as we've wanted it to, without being too ambitious. Um, we just meet the needs of ourselves and the in in the community, but also, I mean, ultimately, another barrier or challenge, I suppose, is you know, in the world of volunteering, you're always going to have some kind of hiccups. Um, because life and other priorities get in the way and often our volunteers are working with organisations that, that are largely volunteer run and so things might fall through the gaps on either side. You know, And we, we set out and we, we support them and we expect there to be a commitment between the volunteer and the community organisation but you know, it doesn't always go to plan which is you know, why we've built in the, the checks and balances that Sue talked about earlier and at the end of the day we're a service that runs on goodwill so you know we just sort of go with the flow on that a bit. Mm. And you have thrived for five years and you are still a hundred percent volunteer run so what are some of the other support that you get? Mm. So we've had nothing but support you know right from the get-go right from the when we one of our first actions was to go and visit Volunteer Wellington and have a chat to them about the idea of the comms collective and they were super supportive and said that they would help us. So that was a key first step in terms of our development. I mean, obviously, as Gail said, the collective just runs on the goodwill of the volunteers. And often individually, they don't see what they're creating, but it's massive, you know, at the system level. Um, the community groups really, really support us in terms of the way they manage the volunteers and just their enthusiasm and their thanks. Like, there's so many cool community groups out there. Um you know, Volunteer Wellington continues to support us by doing all the logistics around our workshops, which makes it really easy for us. You know, we've got all these um, in-kind supporters, like Gladstone Vineyard has been giving us wine for five years to, to give to offer for things like thank you gifts for speakers. And then we've also got two absolutely, absolutely fabulous organisational sponsors, Jackson Stone and um, KBIX Communications, and they cover our running costs. 
completely cover them and our running costs aren't large because we volunteer run but it just means we don't need to spend our time looking for that money so we've experienced a lot of generosity and we're incredibly grateful for all the different types of support we get mm. and in a world that's often full of bad news there is actually a lot of good and generosity out there isn't there yep absolutely so what have you learned along the way the best learning um, for me has been around the importance and the amazingness of the community and voluntary sector. Uh, you know, it's delivering everything from really critical public services through to little community groups that just add to the resilience of a community and support people within that community. Um, and one thing Gail and me, you know, love, and, and the matchmakers love it too, as Gail said before, is just talking to the community groups, and that is always really uplifting and inspiring, as well as what our volunteers actually do for them. And, you know, there is this the saying about, you know, whenever something goes wrong in the world, just look for the helpers. And if you just look for the helpers, then, then you'll be able to take comfort from the goodness, and you won't feel so upset from the bad and I think that definitely getting involved in volunteering in the collective has meant I see helpers around me like every day so that's awesome. So tell us about your team of volunteers who are they and what are their particular skills that makes you different from other support networks? Well I suppose I mean we've got a real diverse group of of volunteers, although they all are all largely communications professionals or have some kind of communications experience. Um, so there's specialists in that respect, but quite diverse in all others. Uh, we've got, you know, experience through from directors of organisations through to recent graduates. We've got people that are contracting, people that are working full time. We've got um, people that are on maternity leave or paternity leave. Um, you know, but what's really cool about the group is that even though we're effectively a virtual collective, you know, we're not getting together in an office space at any time, we um, there is a real connection and, and we, you know, have meetups occasionally and things like that and we've got a Facebook group that we communicate on and it really does feel there's a real like-minded group of people that, that want to use their skills to, um, to benefit the community, really. Um, yeah, it's a cool group. So... Would you like more people to join your team of volunteers? And if so, what kind of people would you love to have? Well, we always welcome volunteers um, and are, are open to all sorts of skills. But but obviously, as I say, we're a specialist. Communications. Expert, yeah, communications. So people with communications, writing skills, journalism mm. skills, marketing. We're quite broad in that definition of, of um of skills, but yeah, I mean, if people are wanting have got skills that they want to use to help lift the communications of community organisations, so they should get in touch. Fantastic. So, tell us how to find you and get in touch again, and who would you like to get in touch with you and use your services? Yes. Yeah, so the website www. Do you say that anymore? <laughs> dub dub dub. Three dub. Yeah, I don't think you Three dub say is it at the all. cool thing. <laughs> Communitycoms.org.nz, um, and. You know, we welcome approaches from community organisations, even if they're not particularly sure what support they need. We um, also have a, we a Facebook page, which we're quite active on, and, and as well as promoting the events that we are um, running, which are workshops. We've got one coming up next month with um, on video, smartphone video. Uh, but you'll see our events on that. You'll also 
see some really good advice and pointers about about how not-for-profits can communicate better. Um, and as I say, we welcome inquiries from community organisations broadly, even if they're not entirely sure what help they need. Fantastic. Ladies, it has been a complete pleasure to have you on the show. Everybody, you're listening to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. I'm Ruth Croft, and you have been listening to Gail Marshall and Sue McCabe from Community Comms Collective. And this uh, uh, interview will be posted up on SoundCloud for you to listen to again. Thank you, ladies. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks, Laura. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.